Good morning, listeners. It is Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Uh, that was um, Suave Connections by Michael Benhan. My title music, love it every week, gets me in the mood. What have we got this morning? This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people. People in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable and loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show is no exception. It's on body image. We will cover body dysmorphia, body image in different cultures and times in history, and then bring it right up to the present day with the current views and how these are affecting our mental and our physical health. My guests in the show today, I'm very excited to say, are David Saita and Anne Kenyon. I'll start with David Saita. Um, David um, has a background in ad- education and psychology. He's been working as a specialist child and adolescent family health counselor family counsellor and a manager of 20 years in child and adolescent mental health facilities. Now, David started, um, pioneered the unique clinical care model of Karingai Youth Development Services, which we all know as kids. Um, and he stayed there for seven and a half years. So that, that's a pretty that's a pretty impressive feat, knowing how well and how strong it's going today. He also worked for many years for Ted Noss Foundation, where most of David's clients were juvenile justice clients who were legally mandated to attend residential treatment for three months under um, under David's clinical care and management. Now, knowing that I work with people in juvenile justice, I know that unless there's a willingness to work, they don't very often work with us. So I take my hat off to you, David. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much, Lucy. It's great to be here. Thank you. And we have Anne Kenyon, who is um, a wonderful woman. She's a local woman, a former film and television producer, and now a health and wellness business, uh, health and wellness small business owner. She's passionate about. Um, committing to working in the community and growing self and growing others and you have a small business called Arbon. Yes, yes. Good morning. Thank Good you morning. very much for having me here. Wonderful this to have you here. And you also work with um, adults and young people about self self-esteem and body image issues, don't you? So very yes. current in your day to day. Yeah, I've had the privilege of sort of passing on and working with people in all forms of sort of ages right from teenagers to certainly women in their 60s so yeah and now that's a very large span age span and I think we'd all agree I mean you know we're born divine delicious gorgeous cuddly and at what age do these young cherubs start to be concerned about the weight on their bodies and where does that come from? It's a really crucial question we've got to look to because the body physiologically has to have fat in order to be able to grow and to actually have bodily functions. Your period doesn't start unless you have enough body fat that the body can cope with it. Your um, your your puberty for male and female doesn't start. So you know, there has to be a certain amount of fat, good fat in our body. But I remember growing up that that was a preoccupation in my household. You know, you're putting on a little bit of weight, you know, be careful what you're eating. And those 
throwaway comments, they sting. Now, I'm noticing young kids in years, mm, I'd say three was the year that I noticed my kids start to question what they were wearing, how they were wearing it. You know, does my bum look big in this? I nearly fell over when I heard that one. But that's quite common, isn't it? Was, what was your answer to that question when they asked? You are perfect and design, uh, um, divine well just said. as you are, my well darling. Um, David, what are the statistics looking like? Yeah, well, there's certainly some uh, very worrying trends, uh, Lucy. And um, if we have a look at um, some of the latest research um, that's been done through the University of Sydney back in, and this was uh, recently from uh, Professor Jennifer O'Day, um, Jennifer's a body image uh, expert, and what she did is she actually surveyed uh, 9,000 high school girls across Sydney. Now, these girls weren't in the older years. They were actually in um, year seven and year eight. So we're talking about 13- and 14-year-old high school girls across Sydney. Um, and from that research, um, which was a big sample size, 9,000, she found that 42% of those girls indicated they were on a diet of some description and 27% thought they were too fat. So that's almost one in three nine, of those 9,000 thought they were too fat. 42% were actually dieting. Um, and from that study and other studies she has done across um, Australia, uh, Jennifer O'Day has now come out uh, recently and said that in Australia... Uh, one in five uh, young women under the age of 18, um, 20% of the population has some form of eating disorder in Australia. So, I mean, these are very alarming stats. We're talking about an epidemic. We are really, aren't we? 20%. And and that's very young, year eight and nine. That's right. You know, we lay foundations for our behaviour and our psychological well-being for the rest of our lives at that age. Exactly right. I mean, um, I think what we're seeing is um, obviously uh, if we, um, uh, from a psychological point of view, I mean, this is critical. Um, And obviously, I think for a lot of these girls, they're bombarded from a very young age uh, from images in the media, uh, often photoshopped images. But um, what we're also seeing is a lot of pro-anorexia websites Mm. that are coming around. And um, there's some really interesting anorexia, pro-anorexia websites that I've sort of researched and um, a lot of these will sort of um, uh, assume um, sh- uh, abbreviated names. So you get Anna for anorexia. Often it'll be like hashtag Anna or hashtag Mia for bulimia. And um, unfortunately, a lot of girls have be- become very preoccupied with things like the thigh gap, um, the bikini bridge, and the A4 waste. Uh, the A4 waste, obviously, is where you hold an A4 sheet of paper up vertically and uh, a girl's waistline has to be within the perimeter of the A4 sheet of paper. And obviously, a lot of girls are taking selfies um, of their their waistline, their thigh gap, their bikini bridge. They're posting these onto things like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Um, and it's actually becoming really competitive Mm-hmm. with 13 and 14-year-old girls. Who's got the best waistline? Who's mm-hmm. got the best thigh gap? Um, and it's really alarming. 
And knowing that there's a way to manipulate those images really gives an indication of, um, you know, uh, how much truth is in those pictures. And yet anyone that respects that person will be working their backside off, uh, probably poor choice of words, in order to achieve the same result. Well, well that's, that's the thing. And I think the problem we have um, certainly with... Um, the, the media is that we know that 100% of all images uh, taken of models are photoshopped. The problem with those images is that when a 12 or 13-year-old girl is looking at that, that's the image that goes into a subconscious mind as being normal. Yeah. So that's what she's trying to achieve. Um, but the problem is also that it, it has become so competitive um, and uh, girls are trying to achieve these very unrealistic images I, I see girls all the time where they talk about uh, not taking anything to school during the day, maybe taking a celery, uh, a piece of celery. Uh, a lot of girls know that celery actually yep. is zero calories or actually negative calories. Yeah, it takes more to chew it exactly, than it does the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really scary stuff mm. uh, when you're seeing sort of 11, 12-year-olds coming in and, and having very complex eating disorders and, and bulimia. So we're going to come back to the media effect on women and and how and men and how images are manipulated a little bit later. I'm just going to, before we go to some community service announcements, just talk about the four aspects of body image. How you see your body is perceptual body image. It's not always a correct representation of how you actually look. The way you feel about your body is your effective body image, which relates to the amount of satisfaction or dissatisfaction you feel about your shape, weight and individual body parts. The way you think about your body is your cognitive body image and this can lead to the preoccupation with body shape and weight. And the behaviours in which you engage as a result of your body image encompass your behavioural body image. Makes a huge amount of sense, doesn't it? The breakdown of those different steps. When a person is dissatisfied with the way they look, they might isolate themselves because they feel bad about their appearance or employ destructive behaviours as a means to change their behaviours. And the level of anxiety that someone lives with the moment they have that. And when, we, when you mentioned 20% of young people in Australia having um, a, a uh, an eating, a disordered eating, I think they call it. You know, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. It is, it is huge. And um, I mean, obviously, um, if I look at uh, from a clinical perspective, um, I'm seeing um, a lot of, uh, as I said, 12 and 13 year olds who are suffering some very bad uh, eating disorders. I've had a few where you can look at sort of uh, just to share some of the stats. Um, uh, I had a few in the last couple of years where they dropped, say, from 63 kilos in weight down to 39 kilos Heavens. quite quickly. And you, you see quite a lot of uh, symptoms where hair actually starts falling out, uh, skin actually cracks and bleeds, bone aches. A lot of girls' periods actually stop yep. because they're actually, um, yep. they're actually not getting enough nutrients. Um, I've had girls where they're actually jogging between five and uh, ten kilometres per day to satisfy their need uh, for, uh, to, for, for exercise. But unfortunately, when they look in the mirror, they, they still see a fat person yeah. uh, looking yeah. back at them. And a lot of these clients do end up in hospital um, and 
that one of the one of the big forms of treatment now is what we call uh, Maudsley family therapy, uh, which is very intensive family therapy where we get mum and dad involved and the young person as well, and we try and get them to start eating small amounts of food again. Um, uh, but a lot of them do end up in hospital. I've had a lot of patients end up in Westmead Children's Hospital for up to six months where they just have to be uh, monitored and often fed intravenously. Mm. Um, so we're talking about, obviously, a very serious illness uh, when it gets to that extent. Well, we'll go to some community service announcements now. When we come back, I'd like to talk about through the ages. I'd like to bring you in, Anne. I know you've done a little bit of research about how, you know, the the perception of our weight has changed mm. over the generations and, and, and over our, you know, on, over the time to, to get to where we are today. All of that after the break. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Today's show is on body image. I have David Saito and Anne Kenyon with me to talk about it. We started the show talking about some pretty um, pretty full-on statistics, looking at, you know, 20% of our young people having body image issues. And uh, actually, that was uh, 20% of our young people having food, a uh, disordered eating. I actually think that that's going to be an underestimate that we'll find in the future. I think we're going to find there are so many more. In this section, we're actually going to talk about uh, body image through the ages. Now, I read an article that was talking about um, people feeling much better if they just put on a little bit of weight. And, you know, this was way back in the um, in in Victorian times, it was you know really seen to be more. Uh, you were healthier. You were actually more affluent if you just had a little bit of body weight on you. And what's your research thrown up? Well, it's actually interesting. Before we go back, I like to talk just about what we see today because actually, when I was researching, I was thinking, what do I see, or what what do I perceive as the body image of this of this period of time and then I, I sort of looked in looked did some research and realized it wasn't what I thought it was so the the so-called um, current beauty standards for women include a flat stomach healthy skinny large breasts and a large behind and then the thigh gap which David has already been talking about and so if you put that as today's so-called perfect beautiful person yeah and we're obviously talking about women at the moment not not the men then you go back of course the victorian period was completely different to that it was all about this this you know sort of buxom um women desirably plump full figured that cinched waist with the corset that was incredibly unbearably um, uncomfortable but then you get to the roaring 20s and it's flat chested so it's gone in you know 20 years 30 years it's gone from one to the other so I mean can you imagine how women in those days must have been feeling the way it's it's gone to flat chested you downplay a waist you've got a short little hairstyle and this boyish figure is what's popular if you want to go all the way back, sort of just even before that, the Renaissance is very mm. much, they were incredibly what we would perceive as very overweight, unhealthily yes. overweight. Yeah. And that Rubenesque, mm-hmm. you know, 
lots of cellulite. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, the and food everywhere. It was food gluttony everywhere, really, wasn't it? and yeah. that ample stomach, the rounded, the rounded hips. You know, the fair skin. So we've gone from women over the ages from the sublime to the ridiculous to the sublime to the ridiculous yes. and it's it's been this up and down where women are told what's in this and what is what's isn't this is what you need that's to conform right. Marilyn to Marilyn Monroe comes along and then everybody goes oh thank god a so yes, called a real woman real woman she's got breasts she's got you know a round stomach and she's got a, a round gorgeous figure and everybody goes yay but then even going well as 20 years ago the heroin look and you know the Kate Moss hop horribly unhealthy looking waif waif like um model mm. and that was what people were thinking was the epitome of, of beauty mm-hmm. and you think really mm. no wonder that we've now got these girls who are, are looking going well which is it now because yeah. supposedly you know we're looking today at this beautiful flat stomach thigh gap the thigh gap has never been there before in all of this, funnily enough, the thigh gap's only my research. My research shows that that's only a recent thing. The thigh gap it really wasn't um, important. It hasn't come up in any of the um, conversations about what beautiful, what a beauty looks like until more recently. And when you think about it, body types are all completely different there are some things you can change there are some things you can't Mm. you can't change your bone structure Mm -hmm. you can't change how you're made some people have heavier bodies are taller are shorter there are some things you physically can't change so to try and fit everybody into a mold of what is perfect or what is acceptable or what is gorgeous and beautiful negates the incredible delicious person Mm. that each of us individually is and if we're so preoccupied by what we look like we actually devalue everything about who we are and what we contribute to our world and to our society yes it's a constant um self-consciousness and that self-consciousness blocks us from being who we really are and being authentic because mm. we're constantly almost looking at ourselves or wondering how other people perceive us. And that is so sad. I'm 51, so I'm okay at my end of life, if you will, my time of life, to look back and say I kind of don't have that body image issues because we sort of get to this stage of life where we go, you know what, I've got what I've got. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm happy with that. It's okay. But I was talking last night to a group of uh, women my age, and we had some of our daughters with us who are all late teens, and we all said, "God, we wasted we wasted so many years worried about what people thought of us, and we didn't realise nobody was actually thinking about us at all, and they weren't looking at us, and the boys weren't looking at us, and going, oh, look at her, her bottom's too big, or her boobs are this, or whatever. They weren't noticing it." But we wasted so many years thinking that they were. Now, unfortunately, because of the way society is, the poor, you know, sort of young people at that age have all of society looking at them saying, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. Well, they're not. But unfortunately, yeah. they... I remember years ago doing some research into puberty and um, I wish I could find this research again. It said that your 
hormonally predisposed to be uh, to, to feel that everybody is talking about you and thinking about you. And, of course, bring that into this day and age, and they probably are on social media. And that's the danger is that you actually think that they are, and then, you know, you might find a post on social media where, uh, particularly if you um, have found yourself on hideous sites like Ask FM where they can do it anonymously, where they discuss you in all your... In every, you know, in a way that no one has any right to. You, you, you're familiar with Ask FM, aren't you, David? I mean, the, the appalling um, mental and physical consequences of social media sites like that, which are anonymous. There, I mean, thankfully, that one. I don't think it was ever banned, but the publicity it got meant that parents were far more on the ball about stopping their young people being on it. Yeah, I mean, sites like that are, are obviously really. Worrying, and um, um, I mean, I uh, actually before coming on air today, I was just looking at some of the um, the sort of pro anorexia sites that are out there as well, and um, it's amazing some of the stuff that I found when I was looking at them. That um, some of the quotes, um, uh, one of them was, "You will be fat if you eat today. Just put it off one more day, hour, minute, and second." People will remember you as the beautiful thin one, not the ugly fat one. Wow, ouch. Bones are clean and pure. Fat is dirty and hangs on your bones like a parasite. Uh, And this is the most alarming one. When you start to get dizzy and weak, you're almost there. Wow. These are um, pro-anorexia websites. I mean, obviously, we don't have any censorship around this stuff. And this is promoting anorexia and bulimia. A lot of young people are looking on, on these sites and they're, they're posting selfies on these sites. And, I mean, I think this is a clear case that we do need actually some censorship of we these do. types of sites. We do. There are uh, pro-cutting sites. There are pro, I mean, self-abuse, um, there, there's yeah. no regulation to those on the website, on the web. And it's, you know, it can be used for evil or for good, but we do need some form of regulation that that has a standard of decency which which supports the self care and the well being of humans absolutely and um, just to touch on on an issue before I think the critical thing obviously with body image it all comes back to self esteem and um, certainly as a psychologist i 'm always preaching to young people that True self-esteem comes from within. It, it doesn't matter what you're wearing or the makeup you have on um, or how you look. And I really think parents need to be preaching this as well. Um, poor body image, um, it, it's often, this stuff is often role modelled from parents. Um, I've actually heard mums and dads saying some worrying stuff to, to girls and boys like, oh, gee, you know, you're putting on a bit of weight or mm, you're looking a bit hippie in those clothes or... One comment can be incredibly devastating. Yep. To Particularly a young from person. someone you love and respect Absolutely. that much. Um, I, I had a girl, uh, I remember lots of years ago, who, who went to a, uh, a dance, went to like the school formal, and um, she actually went up to a guy and asked him to dance, which is quite unusual. Yeah. And the guy actually just said, Oh, sorry, you're too fat. <gasps> and just those, those three or four words spiralled her down into one of the worst cases of anorexia I've I've ever seen. So I think we need to be very careful. Um, 
Social media, as you know, is a very bad weapon. Uh, a lot of um, girls and boys make some pretty degrading comments. So I've seen poster photos where they've uh, pointed to people's thighs and their backsides and sort of said, oh, look who's putting on a bit of weight. Mm. And um, So I think everyone needs to be careful about this, but especially parents. Parents need to role model healthy eating. Uh, gets back to the family dinner. The family dinner is that really important time of the night where mums mm-hmm. and dads are role modelling healthy eating. And mums and dads need to be very careful, obviously, also about what they're saying their kids around body image. We're going to do a whole show on healthy eating because the perception of healthy eating um, and, you know, how you've got your healthy eating and then you've got your treats, um, that needs to be debunked. You know, we need to talk about sugar. We need to talk about stodge and we need to talk about what we're calling treats and whether they really are treats for people. And I just pick up on one thing that you said. It does come from within, but parents can't preach it. They have to live it. They actually have to address their own self-esteem and look for it within themselves in order to role model that behavior because you can say as much as you like to someone hey you know you're worth it you 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 know you don't need their approval but if you're still looking for approval from all your friends parents then you are empty talking and it means nothing we have to trust that we are amazing people that we are the same person that was born that someone cuddled and went just gorgeous you know that that person is still inside us and that's building self-esteem from the inside out it's inside isn't it i'm also aware that we talk so much about um what we do as opposed to who we are. And I would encourage parents to maybe rather than say, oh, you know, well done, you did fantastically at hockey, you did brilliantly at netball, gosh, into the first, you're amazing, to be very careful about championing what they do as opposed to who they are. Hey, you played a fantastic game of sport there because I saw that you did something that you weren't too proud of and you went and said sorry or you just, you know, helped the person up or, you know, you took responsibility when it was a difficult situation there and, yep, your consequences are that you're banned for four matches but I'm really proud of you for taking responsibility for what you said or whatever it is. You know, be encourage young people to value who they are over what they do then bless his heart um hack it we won't have situations where elite sports people crumble when they're no longer at the top of their field because they feel they're not enough that's right i think they have to it's it's human beings we we and it's funny talking about social media and perhaps this is if you've got to go somewhere if we need to go to our community service announcements but I was just thinking about social media now we we put proud parents photographs of our child getting a ribbon yes we don't actually put photographs of our child and say I'm so proud of my son today because yeah. he helped a little kid walk across yep. the road yeah mm. we don't do that no and we as parents need to be conscious of that too 
Yeah, what are we put? What image are we what putting are we forward? Saying? We're saying little Johnny won the swimming carnival. Yeah. Well, that's great. But what about little Johnny came last? And I'm so proud because he he never gave up. Never gave he, up, yeah. and he just swam to the <laughs> end of that and almost drowned, but he yeah. got there. Yeah, you know, this is this is where we need to look at ourselves. There's a parents. c word, isn't it? The comparison word. Yep. We've got to knock comparison on the heads yeah. uh, for all of us, and it starts with us as it starts with us as individuals. Yep. But adults can lead the way. Young people, I find, are really keen to drop the um, charade, but adults are a little bit more set in their ways because, in a way, they're fearful. They've got more to lose. You know, they've been running this gig for a long time, and when I started working on it in myself. I think I lost a lot of friends because I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't, the way that I'd met them was the image I thought they wanted to see of me. And when I actually said, I can't give up with that, I'm exhausted, and just dropped the charade, then I wasn't quite the fun person that they wanted to hang out with. They weren't your friends then? No, they, they and that's it. They were not my tribe. They were not my, my friends. And now I, I have some amazing friends who just accept me for who I am. And yep. yeah, you know what? I don't drink. Big deal. Yep, I actually really like to go home at about 9.30 so I can be in bed at 10 o'clock. Big deal. Like, you know what? Does it matter? I'm still great fun, you know. I still love dancing on the odd table to the right guy. You know, like I'm, I'm right there. Um, but I don't I, I have to be true to who I am and that took a lot of courage. But boy, oh boy, am I pleased I did it. It's a, it's a, it's a good point and I think certainly in Western culture we're very much driven by achievement. Mm. Um, a lot of the research shows that socioeconomic status uh, doesn't make much of a difference with uh, body image problems. But Mm. um, certainly from the stats that have come through a lot of the local hospitals in northern Sydney, we do see it more prevalent in northern Sydney than in in western Sydney. And I think that's because um, it's very achievement-driven in northern Sydney. And image-driven, maybe. Results. um, But but achievement also means looking good. The other thing is, I think, for young people and parents as well, um, usually their social media identity does become who they are. Yeah. Uh, And for young people, that can be very dangerous Mm. when it's all about the way they look on Instagram and, and Snapchat and things like that. But I think, as you were saying before, even parents, it's it's look at me, look at what my kids have achieved. Often their identity is coming from social media as well. So it's a really good point. I think um, I think parents need a wake-up call that mm. we've got to get back to this notion, well, I don't really care what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. This is about building values and principles from within yeah. which define us, yeah. uh, not about what I've achieved, how I look. No. Um, it's, hard. it's hard to get to that point because we are raised this way. We, we are, are. We and are it's promoted, isn't it? Yeah. It's promoted. Absolutely. But we need to try and break, down, break that down. I think yeah. um, that's the only way we're really going to help our children. And be buddies to each other, you know, support each other to, to no break judgment. it down. No judgment. Oh. Safe place. <laughs> yes. We need to, you know, be, be buddies to each other, be kind, be caring. You know, it's what I say at the end of each show. We, let's, let's walk that and, and help each other just be ourselves because it is, you know, when you unpeel those layers as adults, we're going into quite a vulnerable space and it may bring up co- 
coping mechanisms and behaviors and that's where i always say go and get support you know there are people like david there are other counselors and psychologists who are there ready to walk you through that process but look you know don't don't avert your gaze because we're changing the next generation's trajectory if we do it as adults let's go to some community service announcements um Thank you so much for listening. I'm loving this show on self, self-esteem, self-worth, body image. It's encapsulating it all. And I thank you, Anne. I thank you, David, for being my guest today. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. We've been talking about body image today. And we can't really talk about body image without going into body dysmorphic disorder, BDD. It's characterized by a preoccupation with one or more perceived defects or flaws in appearance, which is unnoticeable to others. Excuse me. Sometimes the flaw is noticeable, but is a normal variation as in, you know, a male pattern of baldness or it's um, as not as prominent as the sufferer believes. So you can look at yourself and you can imagine your whole face distorting. You might look at your eye and it might look enormous. You might look at your nose and see it as, as enormous or your ears and you or your body shape, your breasts, your hip, your waist, your arms, your hands, your fingernails. It is um, what you, you imagine what you see people see and then you crumble on the inside. There's a, there are some great videos where... where um, you can actually see what this looks like on the body dysmorphia um, foundation.org website, bddfoundation.org website. And um, I encourage you to look at it because it'll help you understand what it feels like from the inside. Um, the real effects of this are that you crumble. You don't put yourself out. You don't put yourself in situations where you might, um, where you have to stand out. Um, You have anxiety, shame, depression, disgust. It uh, definitely leads to uh, issues of disordered eating, whatever that may be. You may eat to hide yourself, uh, to hide your true self, or you may starve yourself to find your true self or to hide your true self as well. Um. Anne and David, have you ever come across this issue um, in your practice, perhaps, David? Yeah, definitely. And um, obviously the classic one here is with anorexia nervosa, that, you know, a, a girl will actually uh, look in the mirror and even where the rib cage is exposed and uh, they are incredibly thin, a very pronounced thigh gap, they are actually seeing a, a fat, or as they would call a fat girl, staring back at them yeah. and that's a classic body dysmorphic issue but you can also see it for different body parts so sometimes girls and boys um, get quite obsessed about a particular body part it might be that they feel they have a big nose or their their breasts are too small or they don't have big muscles and um, when they look in the mirror all they see is that one body part they don't see anything else they just focus in on that one like body tunnel, part. If you imagine television. television. Yep. It, it yep. Literally, yep. So when they leave home and they go to school or they go to different social events, um, all they're thinking about is that one body part and that is destroying their self-esteem. And 
Obviously, they do need a lot of help, a lot of counselling with that. Um, I'm seeing a big increase with boys. We've already talked a fair bit about girls in this show, and we shouldn't forget boys as well. No, let's actually focus on that in this section. That would yeah, be great. Because boys, um, I'm seeing quite a lot of body dysmorphic stuff in that a lot of boys now, certainly in the images we're seeing in the media, tend to see the six-pack, uh, very toned muscles. Again, there's a lot of photoshopping that goes on. Um, a lot of boys I'm seeing are becoming gym junkies. Um, but the problem is uh, I'm seeing quite a few boys with body dysmorphic issues in that they're, they're going to the gym a lot, maybe uh, two to three hours a day. They're sort of at home flexing their muscles in front of the mirror and they're, they're actually seeing no sort of development in their muscles when there actually has been huge development. Wow. Um, and again, this can get quite unhealthy. A lot of them are taking a lot of supplements, which you can get all over the place, uh, different amino acids to try and create more muscle mass. That's a big cult following now in boys. Um, That's a massive problem on heart. It has the potential for heart failure, that, doesn't it? And they don't stress that enough. Yeah, a lot of these supplements, uh, you know, you can buy them anywhere. They're not particularly regulated. Uh, a lot of them contain whey protein and vast amounts of whey protein, which, um, look, you know, we're, we're not really designed to be eating that amount of whey protein. The liver and gallbladder aren't really designed for that. But uh, a lot of boys are overdoing that. Yeah. It is putting pressure on their organs. Um, and uh, as I said, I, I've counselled a lot of boys recently with problems like that. Um, so quite an alarming increase um, certainly in the last five to ten years with boys developing these issues, getting addicted to the gym um, and those sort of body dysmorphic issues of, of thinking that they're wimps, that they're, they don't have enough muscle on them where they're actually looking really healthy and fit. Yeah. Yep. And it affects their sexual organs as well, actually, doesn't it? Because a lot of the... Because steroids is part of that supplement regime to build the body muscle but actually yes it cardiovascular issues but actually sexual activity i mean it it, it makes there there are issues with impotence as a result of that yeah and it's steroids have really come back i mean they were huge in the 70s and 80s and uh, certainly you know when it was all about arnold schwarzenegger and sylvester stallone i mean they both admitted to using lots of steroids mm. as did a lot of weightlifters um, they really have come back, though, in the last uh, five years or so, and a lot of uh, young males are injecting steroids or taking them orally um, because they just feel no self-esteem. No, which, which um, also goes on to the emotional consequences of that because you're going to have anger management issues with when you take supplements. And when we're seeing a rise in young people and their anger and domestic violence, which is equally the young person to the parent, um, we can't actually quite wipe off the fact that there might be no correlation between the two. We can't say there is, but we do need to consider that when you starve your body, when you're working so hard with supplements to change who you are, that the frustration of not accepting who you are could over overflow into a temper or a rage or, you know, um, uh, unsociable behaviour. 
You've also got the role models uh, of the sportsmen. I'm yes. just thinking personally of I love rugby league. So I watch rugby league, rugby union and soccer. You're watching these games and you're seeing yep. these bodies of these guys. And, you know, some of them early 20s, so they're not too far out of their teens. They're not developing those bodies without putting something into them. And I'm not suggesting they're all drug-taking people, but they are certainly that body image thing. They've got unnaturally large top halves, Torso, yes. Yeah. And those muscles in their arms are like the size of a thigh, and that's their arms. But they have the anger issue yes. on the field, yes. and that's celebrated. Yes, and yeah, absolutely celebrated these, on the field. So they're these sort of gods, if yeah. you will, that the role models are out there playing these games, and they're they're incredibly talented mm-hmm. at what they do. But even that's not enough. And actually, you've hit on a fantastic point there, Anne, because when they exhibit that behaviour off the field, because it's all one, yep. you can hide it for you a little bit, it's all it one, yep. they're, they're castigated in the media for being domestic violence or assaults mm. or, you know, you're championing them on one hand for pulling in that energy and channeling that energy in order to win a game and then you're telling them that actually they should they should be able to control that and I, I don't know. It's just difficult. It it's is difficult and And it's hard for boys and men to kind of compartmentalise in that way. Um, And alcohol just fuels it because, of of course, alcohol is such an intricate part of sport. David and I have done a show quite a long time ago about alcohol advertising in sport. We'll have to go with that again someday, (laughs) not today. Uh, But, you know, it, it it is part and parcel of what fuels not being able to keep it all under wraps. Yes, and we watch, and, and I mean, I have a 16-year-old son and we go to rugby league games and we see these blokes who, you know, we worship. They're yeah. such brilliant sports people. But then when you actually see them in the flesh, they're twice as large. I mean, they're huge yeah. and not exactly tall, but they're... And those guys have these unnatural bodies. They're very good for playing rugby league. But when they come off the field, there's all this aggression, there's all this, and they're supposed to switch it off. Yes. And, and then play sort of go home and play family man but then they've got the the body and all the issues that go with that and all the stress and everything else and you know it comes back to the pressure of Paul Grant Hackett Mm -hmm. and trying to be the perfect role model role model for everyone but at the end of the day it's what goes on between your ears and you've got to work on that just like you exercise your muscle yes you know that you're flexing your muscles you've got to exercise the brain you've got to work on that every day yeah they're more than the outside they're more than what they do Mm. um boys don't really get i think actually we're starting to raise the conversation but they don't really get enough conversations about how they feel Mm. and about accepting themselves for who they are and uh, not what they do because I I think in past we've we've constantly really expected the man to be the provider and to be the one who has all the answers and to be the leader and to suck it up and again this came up on International Men's Day you know man up and you know it's a lot of pressure so they're all trying to grow up and live to these ideals but these ideals actually are causing terrible problems in mental health terrible problems seen in the statistics for male suicide yeah, it's, it's, it's alarming. Um, so many 17 to 25-year-olds. Uh, we have one of the highest suicides in, in the world, rates in the world for 17 to 25-year-old males. And 
And you're right, there are huge expectations. Um, but I think, um, again, uh, this comes down to role modelling and obviously the dads out there have to do a lot to role model a lot of great things in, in our young men. Um, I think it's also the fact that um, uh, boys today, they're, they're expected to look a certain way, obviously around their body image. Um, they're also putting expectations on girls to look a certain way um, through different things they're watching, uh, like pornography, which uh, we know the average age for a boy to look at pornography is around the age of 10 in Australia. Um, They're also, I mean, I I was watching uh, the news last night. This is just an example. And I was just trying to get some footage on the the big hailstorm that came through the north. And um, I was flicking through Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, I remember saying, I said to my wife, I said, uh, what's, what is all this, you know? It's uh, all these women on the news, they're all perfect, yeah. you know, perfect body, beautiful looking. Um, Amazing hair. Yeah, and I just sort of thought, what is this? It's like, not real life, is wh- it? Why don't we see uh, just a normal, regular woman on, channel, on the news? And yeah. I was thinking, you know, people like uh, David Koch, I mean, he's not this beautiful looking guy that all the women are swooning about. and. No. It's, it's, there's a lot of gender bias out there. And I, so I actually think, um, and, I, and I don't want to create gender bias on the show, but I think there is a lot of pressure being put on young women especially mm. to look a certain way. I think guys can still get round in the jeans and the T-shirt and a pair of sneakers, but I think there is a lot of pressure on girls to look a certain way, to always look their best, to have the perfect makeup, perfect hair. Uh, this is coming from... The news, which, uh, you know, millions of people watch every night. Um, so it's just there all the time in it front is. of us. Yeah. And it's in, it's very, it comes through very much through the media, but it also is in business. I've noticed a lot of um, articles and a lot of research recently on the pressure of women in business to look a particular way. And yet men can have big bellies. They can, you know, they, they can uh, put on weight. But if a woman puts on weight, it's not seen as quite as acceptable. You know, it's not quite the look that they want. It, I don't know. I was really horrified to see that, really horrified. Um, perfectionism is, is one of the issues that we've actually got to throw out the window, isn't it? We've got to actually try and stop being the perfect body in the perfect body shape. We're going to go to a little bit of music now, and then we're going to come back to some um, pictures that Anne found about um, how the media manipulated the pictures. And then straight after that, we're going to talk about some of the positive things that we can do. So we're just going to break down one more little bit, and then we're going to start building to the end of the show about what you can do at home and how we can actually turn this around. And obviously... We are going to promote International Women's Day, which is the 8th of March, where we're going to be living this in full um, in Hornsby Mall. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Uh, And you have got, oh, we are talking about body image today, just in case you're just joining us. Um, I've got Anne Kenyon and David Sider in the studio with me. And Anne has did a little bit of um, research about um, different countries around the world and how they perceived an image and then put it into their country's ideal body shape. Anne, take it away. It was, it's fascinating. And I know you said we will post it. We this. will post yes, it on the website. Yeah. I think they're missing out. It's very interesting. So it was a high street 
retailer in the UK and they asked 18 countries from across the road at the globe to edit the same photograph of a woman in her underwear according to how they think she could be improved. Ah, improved. I know. Oh, I, 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 know like, oh, I will try and just, just hear that word and not react to it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. <laughs> so the original photograph is just a, a like a, what would you say, David, an attractive woman, regular yeah, body image. Just a, a regular attractive looking sort of woman. Like yeah. It's all just normal. But then you're looking at what each country has done to the woman. And, I mean, let's talk about the really saddest one is China has... In, in horribly skinny, emaciated, She's emaciated with a thigh gap that's just very sadly, and and pushed her breast, her waist much thinner, um, face and much more angular face. So, just it's the thinness that's scary in that. Really, it doesn't sound like they've accepted much of the original picture at all. No, absolutely. Okay, and then you've got, and then sort of. Obviously, not so much surprisingly, the the European, some of the European, like Spain, has kept her very similar because in Spain it's very much a, we love buxom women. We yeah. that's, that they've taken a little bit, but really it's almost an identical photograph. Um, I found the South American countries quite interesting as well because they increased her breast size, mm-hmm. um, and they. Lengthened, made her legs. They put the thigh gap in. Wow! I figure that thigh gap comes back. Um, and then when you look over to um, the UK, UK have slimmed her down enormously. Um, wow! And made the thigh gap and the slim legs. But USA has made her curvier than the UK. So, um, yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I'm putting my public health hat on here. When you look at the statistics for obesity in America, they had to come up with a new band to define obesity because America was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, which was a bit of a shock. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they've made her bigger. Mm. But at the same time, you've got the the um, bubbles of L.A., New York, where everything is about being super skinny. Mm. And actually, I would have thought the UK would go slightly heavier because actually their demographic is is putting on weight. I'm just bizarre. It is bizarre. You are you are messing with my picture. Yeah, and they messed it, and they messed in so many ways, and changed hair colours as well. And I mean, this is the other thing: changed hair colours, hair colours, because they thought that was more beautiful. Did anyone champion auburn reddish hair? Yes, uh, Italy. Okay, I have to move. And Netherlands, Netherlands. And the Netherlands yeah. too? Okay. Awesome. Yeah, Netherlands Good. I was quite proud of. They were redhead. <laughs> Yay. And they changed her, her um, underwear colour as well. Actually, you know, we should, we should really champion. Let's just be ourselves and actually let's find, let's, let's make the country that we live in. Um, let's live that change in our country for ourselves and then inspire other women and other men to be that for themselves and as to well. to be authentic. To be authentic. That word. Yes, to be themselves. Mm. So... Really, let's let's kick off with how we can build that within families, within our our normal. David, what do you say? You were saying that you work very often with parents and uh, young people. How do you start the conversation? Well, obviously, um, there's a lot of factors that uh, go into creating body image problems. Um, when a baby is born, of course, they're born without any concepts around body image so these things are environmental 
Um, it comes from family, it comes from friends and media. That's where it enters the subconscious mind. So really when I'm dealing with parents, I usually have a big discussion about, um, well, uh, how can we create a more stable environment at home? A lot of these things are often emotional. Um, often if there's um, things like uh, domestic violence going on at home, if there's high stress, um, there does seem statistically to have a higher rate of body image issues in separated families. So obviously if there is a, uh, a single mum or single dad raising kids, uh, that is more likely. Um, but there are things around uh, values. So usually I say to parents, well, look, if your child is getting preoccupied with things around social media and stuff like that, you really need to monitor that. You need to have the computer in a communal part of the house where you're actually able to monitor that stuff. Uh, especially girls getting obsessed with the pro-anorexia websites and taking selfies of themselves and posting it. I think parents really need to monitor that stuff. That's really important. Um, I generally say to parents, there should be a rule, a blanket rule in every family that eight or nine o'clock at night that all social media is switched off, phones are handed in. Um, you don't really want your child to be in their room 11 or 12 o'clock at night uh, doing stuff on social media which you don't know about. I think that's really important. The other big one, though, is, as I said before, uh, a simple thing like the family meal every night. Uh, a lot of parents now are very time poor and they don't have time even to have the family meal, which certainly for me growing up was the one a traditional time of the evening. Everyone came to the dinner table at 7 o'clock um, and there was this healthy role modelling around eating um, and I hear lots of times where girls don't eat uh, even at dinner and they're skipping that meal. So as part of your home, you need to have the dinner, whatever time it is, everyone comes to the table, you talk about your day, um, you make time for that. Um, and I understand parents are busy, uh, usually now in households, both parents are working. Um, but you also need to look at the, the warning signs. And a lot of mums and dads always ask me, well, when do I worry? Um, should I be worried if my daughter's not skipping breakfast? Should I worry if they're not taking any lunch with them to school? Uh, yes, you should be worried. Um, of course, any girl or boy should be eating three healthy meals a day. They shouldn't be skipping any meals. You also should be worried if you look at them, if you notice them losing weight, if your daughter's having irregular periods, if they're, if they're spending, I know teenagers might spend an hour often getting ready, but, you know, if they're spending long periods of time in front of the mirror, you know, a couple of hours a day, that's also a warning sign. Um, uh, the main ones are eating pass patterns, Things like hair loss, irregular periods in, in women, in girls. Um, but it's the role modelling's the key. So mums and dads out there, it's role modelling healthy eating, healthy self-esteem, uh, praising your kids for who they are, not their achievements. Um, and if you are worried, you really need to seek professional help through Early a counsellor. Absolutely. On. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so pleased you you said you know love for who they are and also loved unconditionally. If there's behaviour that we don't like seeing, then actually nominate that behaviour as what you're not liking. That it's not them. That it just doesn't do them justice. But do not say 
they're an idiot. Don't say, you know, what a stupid thing to do. You know, that's so, they're so stupid. It's you've got to kind of really be aware of the harm that the words that we use when we've lost control have on them. Um, And it's not about being perfect, but it's about being aware. And from my experience, I said, I said all of this, I had to actually go and look at my stress level and deal with my stress level so that when my buttons were pushed, actually I had a pause between what I thought and what I said and so that what I said wasn't harmful to the other person. You know, that it's just a split second so that you respond rather than react and that takes uh, taking care of yourself in order to create that gap. I would say um, appreciation should be a big part of what we maybe talk about at dinner. And, you know, I mean, like, oh, kids will look and they will go, what are we on now? Uh, what uh, self-help family, <laughs> you know, amazingness are we doing? What are you bringing into the house? What's this? Poly, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but appreciation's huge yep. because that's where you start to hear, you know, wh- who you are what you bring to the world. Wow, you handled that so well, Positive Polly. (laughs) You handled it so well because you saw that even though your brother couldn't use his knife and fork, he found a way to whatever it was. You know, you actually compliment them for something that they've done that's kind. Or, you know, yeah, he said something pretty yucky to you and you actually just didn't respond to him that's pretty impressive but you also didn't let him get away with it i like that too so you know you know he 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 had to feel what he said and how revolting it was and he has to take responsibility to not do that again so you know the the boundaries the choices and the consequences i did something in my family one night over the dinner table and my family all rolled their eyes but it was fantastic and I said I'd love everybody here so I have two children and I asked them and my husband I'd like you the person on your left I want you to say something that you like about them so something that was it that was as simple as it was and so like my daughter had to say something nice about her brother And I had to say something. So we just went yeah. around. But my husband said something nice about me that I I was just, I was blown away because I can't even remember what he said. Like, sorry, but it it yeah. was more that it was that he said, he said something that I didn't know he thought of me. Yeah. And it, it, it created such a sense of love and just positivity. And we all walked out of there like a little bit. Our backs were straighter. Yeah, and we're yeah. Like, wow, you know. I, so you really think that about me? These simple acts of exactly like you've just said, just pointing out the positive stuff. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. Regularly, regularly, regularly. Yeah. It it it's just so important because we too often with our children, as we all do, go talk about the negative stuff. Absolutely, and that confirms the negative speak that we That's have in our heads the key is that you can't say something about another person unless you actually know the value of it in yourself so you can't you can't notice when someone's picked up on something that if your normal is that you know abuse is normal you can't actually pick up on the the, the abuse. So you've got to build that kindness to yourself and that kind way of appreciating for yourself what you do for yourself. And so a little appreciation diary for yourself, what you appreciate about yourself helps you appreciate others just that little bit more. Because how wonderful would it be if over the time of these dinners, 
we don't take when someone says something to us we're not surprised they're just confirming what we already know about ourselves but how amazing is it that they notice and appreciate it too Mm. what i mean that's a real treat that you know your your husband knows that you are um that you're delicious and you bring a playfulness and a warmth and an incredible level of love a new level of love to you all at dinner but you know that that's your normal but for him to appreciate it you go "Mm, thank you it's lovely that you appreciate that about me because you know that's your normal Mm. i think i think the other thing is that uh just to remind parents, you do need to be very careful about the things that you do say. Yeah. I've worked with so many parents over the years where they actually have said to me, oh, my child needs to lose weight. Yeah. He or she doesn't, isn't making friends because they're too fat. Um, a lot of girls saying, oh, your mum says I need to lose weight. Um, I mean, these are creating lots of damage psychologically. And I think we've also got to be careful... Um, I was at a friend's place the other night and Weight Watchers are doing this new campaign at the moment and I think they're using one of the Spice Girls. Is it Mel B? Does that ring a bell? The Dark skinned? Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. Is she doing yeah. Weight Watchers? No, so, she's doing another one. Yeah, well, she... anyway, they, they, they showed her and I was at this friend's place and there were lots of sort of young girls uh, there um, and I remember hearing a lot of the girls and women, older women, sort of saying, wow. Oh, look how great she looks. She's, she must have lost 15 kilos. And so that, their response was that, wow, she just looks fantastic. Yeah. And I think we've just got to be careful as adults how we respond yes. to people on TV, to things like Mel B, who's obviously now doing this whole campaign yeah. around the weight she's lost. Um, it's Yeah, it's sort of it's, it's glorifying it in a lot of ways and it's, it's not healthy. For young children. Do you think that when adults behave in that way and adults come out with words like that, actually they're bringing in hurts and experiences from their childhood and what they saw made them either popular or unpopular and they're just projecting it onto current, you know, their next generation? Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it's the way they were brought up, uh, mm. you know, and obviously often uh, sometimes the kids who were a bit overweight at school often got bullied. Yeah. Uh, not always, but sometimes that is the case. Um, so they, that's right. They're bringing a, a lot of those insecurities and they're projecting that onto their children. Um, By projecting it, though, their children potentially will become the bullies because they're learning that being overweight puts you as a target. So if you instill that in your child, they're much more likely to target the person that is. You know, again, we have different body shapes. And and, and with my public health hat on, I know the consequence of being overweight. It's type 2 diabetes. It's It, it gives you, um, you know, a less... Uh, a poor trajectory for your physical health. So we do have to address healthy eating. We do have to address healthy body weight for the particular individual. What is healthy for that individual? Because if we don't, we're um, the lifespan is shortened. Uh, you know, corporates have to take responsibility for what they're putting in our food and making us addicted to. You know, it's a whole different subject. But the the words that parents use with their children when they bring in a, an experience of their own childhood, wow, that's that's dangerous, isn't it? For making the bullies of the future or the um, the the disordered eating of the future. It's um it's also though interesting because the other side of that bit is you want to champion people for losing weight and being healthier. So the fact that we 
do sort of go, wow, doesn't she look amazing? And I know I've lost weight over the last year and a half, slowly and surely and, and healthily, if you will. But I, and the comments that people who haven't seen you for a while make, it, it's always a compliment. Mm. But it's interesting because they're championing, championing you almost for losing the weight and you want that to continue but I hear you it's it's sort of a double-edged sword mm. because we're celebrating weight loss but for those with the the sort of BDD they, yeah they don't actually need to lose weight they so, see themselves and I, I I think it's a very difficult um your approach is lifestyle change mine's your very much is, about mental yeah. mine's about what goes on between your ears because yeah. there's no one forcing me to eat no. no one's forcing me to put food in my mouth. It's being aware it's about of awareness. it. Yeah. It's about awareness. It's about, I believe very strongly, and I, this is coming back to my passion for talking to groups about how they see themselves, but also don't, um, it's like people talk about, oh, well, when I lose weight, I'll be happy. Mm. It's actually be happy now. Do, yeah. do it today. Because that will Choose help to you be lose happy the weight. Today. Exactly. Yeah. Help. Well, not and lose it, the weight. It'll help it'll you make different choices. It'll just help you with choices. everything. It's, just mm. it, it, it's the opposite of the vicious circle. It's the happy circle, I call yeah. it. But um, So for me, it's very much about just making an awareness of the thoughts that you have in your mind you can control. I know it's not that simple. But there is an energy that comes in to give you the thoughts and it's where that energy comes from to be able to recognise it and go, that is a negative energy, I need to actually get that one out. And And very often the thoughts come from the body. So if you can exercise and create some endorphins, then your thoughts you know, are different thoughts. The energy is different. And so it's a mind-body, isn't it? It's a relationship. Yes. It's a communication. It's a, respect. a respect. And, you know, um, I, I know that when I eat a lot of sugar, my mental thoughts and the thoughts that come into my head are vicious. Mm. So sugar does not agree with me. But I have to consciously choose for a short time to not eat it in order to deal with the addiction you know, and it, mm. and so it's it's that aware, that choice and that support from the local community to see, okay, who do I need support from? And it might be Weight Watchers, it might be another um, weight management support program, it might be your family, might be your community. You know, losing weight uh, from all the research that I've done on um, again, I'm, I'm, my area of speciality is type two diabetes. In all my research, in that the family environment is one hundred percent crucial. You know, for, to have the family working together to look at weight issues is, uh, it, it, it's fundamental. I think it's critical. And um, it, we, we certainly see with anorexia nervosa and bulimia that the family unit is the key. And actually, that's why all the therapy now has changed to what we call the Maudsley family therapy. Yes. Where that um, previously, going back 10 years ago, we'd use cognitive behaviour therapy and, and, and things like that. Um, from now with treatment, with uh, really complex eating disorders, we involve the family from day one. Right. We try and change what's going on in the house and um, the eating patterns and uh, the relationship between, say, the girl or the boy with an eating disorder and the parents as well. It's critical. Fabulous. So um, we should probably do a very quick... Uh, plug for International Women's Day, which is coming up on the 8th of March. Stay in the loop with Lucy and Triple H are um, 
two of the many sponsors who are going to cover that event and will be there. It's very exciting. Um, David, you're obviously invited. Oh, thank you. Anytime. Boys, boys can come too. Boys oh, can excellent. come too. It's an open day uh, where we can celebrate the women in our lives. The idea is to come down and have some experiences and we'll be doing some mini facials yep. and, and talking about face care and I think makeup as well. Very You've got, much so. Yeah. Helping. People always think of it as this too hard it's too hard i haven't got time you can do it in under five minutes and you walk out of the house and you feel fab at which point you're going to want to wake up two hours earlier and spend longer getting ready what can i say um and and uh we've got uh, another organization called gentle rhythms who are going to do some healing and some massage we have got uh, a woman who's going to do fairy crowns or crowns um you know in anticipation of perhaps a wedding or an event we've got um some financial consultants mortgage we've got personal organizers personal organi- I mean the people who've put their hand up to come and sponsor this the Seroptimist International have come up who else who are some of the other sponsors stylists Stylist. oh, stylist yep We've got, I, I need my paperwork, so but I all I can say is thank you so much to all the people who have um, put their hands up to sponsor this event. Um, we're going to be in the Hornsby Mall area. We were going to just be on the green space and the number of stalls we have now, we're going to be all the way in all four corners. So we will, um, we're taking over. Wednesday, Thursday, 8th of March. Triple H are going to be there to broadcast from the event uh, between 10 and 2. Um, hopefully we're going to have some of the other female presenters and maybe some of the breakfast presenters come up and then I'll do a stint um, probably later on in the day singers. I might have to make sure that all the stall holders are happy at the beginning. Got many hats on on that day. But very honoured to be um, doing it again. And then the, the Sunday show after that is likely to be um, a snapshot and, a, and, and I'll put together a, a programme sharing with you some of the interviews we do on the day. So um, have you got any last words, either of you? What would you like yep. to say, David? Um, yeah, I just want to read a quick quote. This is um, by a author, Sarah Chandler, um, who actually had anorexia and actually wrote a book called um, Ophelia Revisited, which is one of the best books I've actually read on anorexia. And she wrote that in the world of adolescent girls, thinness, sometimes at whatever cost, evokes profound jealousy. We lust for the perfect body. Even when we publicly condemn those who control their food intake, many of us privately admire their willpower. And I just want to say, look, this gets back to to language. I think mums and dads out there, be so careful with the language you choose to use with your children around um, being fat, being thin, the perfect body, uh, things you see, images you see on TV, um, I think we we tend to admire people who, who obviously lose weight, but you've just got to be really careful about your language uh, and, and be careful um, with the appearance of your child. Um, give them lots of praise and encouragement. Um, certainly don't try and criticise them for the way they look um, because I actually believe most body image issues comes from, yes, a lot of the images in the media, uh, but I think a big part of it, it comes from language, language from friends and parents. Yep. David, you and I have got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
totally agree. And my words of, I suppose, advice as a parent would also be, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. So one of the things is be aware that I, I know I try to talk to my children, but sometimes I get the same result. So maybe be aware of if you keep using the same language with your children, but you're not getting anywhere, think, well, what, what do I need to change? And, and sometimes that's looking at yourself, looking at the words you're using, looking at what you're saying. And maybe it's just a, a slight shift. Maybe it's just a little tweak or maybe ask your child and listen. And so it's that. Listen? Listen. <laughs> and the child might have the answers. You might have the answers. And they might actually, and be silent. Don't be afraid of silence with your child. Like when you're having a conversation, don't jump into the silence yeah. because a silence will give you stuff. No, um, one of the best lessons I uh, ever got was from one of my children that says, you know what, I actually don't really feel I need your help right now. And I was like, okay, what do I do with that? My job is to help and to be here and to fix problems for you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh, it was such an amazing growth experience. The freedom for me, I got to deal with my own stuff. The freedom for her was she turned out to be the most delicious young woman. She's made amazing decisions for herself. You know, they all do. Me me backing off and thinking I have to fix all their problems and I'm the one who's going to make them into these amazing young adults – rubbish to be perfectly honest with you rubbish it's them who will make themselves into the young adults that they're going to be and 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 actually my job is to give them the tools to be independent of me which means they need to make their choices and consequent and deal with the consequences but um listening if i hadn't listened and if i had reacted and gone no i will impose we would never have got anywhere so don't be afraid of what you hear. You're going to hear stuff you don't want to hear because you might have been imposing for the last 15 years. So suck it up and go, you know what, I've, I'm learning from you and, and not one part of you would ever have meant to impose for the last 15 years or so or less or more. Um, but sometimes that's how we come across when we want so much for someone. We sometimes come across as a bit too imposing. So... End of the show, regardless of what has happened or is happening in your life, you are and always will be you and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize what your body is trying to tell you um, when something is not quite right and then seek support from the appropriate service, be that mental or physical health. Look for support in the community. As we see on my show all the time, it is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and also on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then remember to like the Stay in the Loop with Lucy face page, uh, Facebook page and you will um, be notified automatically. And links to all of those spaces, if you can't find them by just Googling, then have a look on the Triple H homepage and you'll see the links there. Next week's show is rather appropriate. It's Living from Your Heart. And it's uh, the start of Heart Awareness. We've got a whole campaign on cardiovascular awareness coming up. They did it in Rosetto, a small town in Italy. And I want to work out how we can make love an infectious disease. Now, remember, regardless of what has or is happening to you in your life, you are and will always be you 
and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect with that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something is not quite right and seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. And I feel today our show has really underlined that. Look for support in the community because it is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud at the end of today. And if you want to get updates, then please remember to like the Stay in the Loop with Lucy face page um, and link to all of those spaces are available from the Triple H program page. Until next week's show, please remember to take a moment to look after you, to connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be loved, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. 